welcome to Medium Cool, a movie podcast. I'm your host, Austin Glidden, and as always, you can find us on social media. Go ahead and follow us, subscribe, whatever the things. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, Medium Cool Pod. That's facebook.com backslash Medium Cool Pod. You can search Medium Cool Pod on Instagram, we'll pop up, and at Medium Cool Pod on Twitter. Please come check us out. You can also email us if you have any comments, questions, concerns at mediumcoolpod at gmail.com. And uh, please subscribe to the podcast. Follow us, like I said a second ago. Uh, anything helps content creators, you know, any of those things. And uh, you know, leave us a review, a rating, however you feel. We'd really appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, today is a really fun day for me because not only did I get a screener for a movie called uh, The Get Together, which comes out this Friday. So I'm going to give you uh, my thoughts on that. And it's, it's a pretty brief thing. And then uh, Joe and I are going to do a long form discussion about, you know, one of my, uh, I think it was on my top 10 uh, favorite films of 2010, whenever uh, that year when I made one. And uh, it's called The Chaser from 2008. Uh, but 2010 was when I found out about it that year. It's tricky. I don't know. I talk about it in our long-form talk. The point is, The Chaser rules, and you should definitely go check this out. I give you more information on how you can see that and more uh, in our conversation, but I'm really excited to get you know, to get to talk long-form about The Chaser. It's a really underrated film from South Korea, and uh, so, yeah, yeah, anybody who's afraid of subtitles, you just got to run right now. Because this is, uh, it is a subtitle that's very easy to follow, very easy to watch. If you are interested in seeing this and you want to pause this so you can go watch it, I can't sh- impress on you enough. Please go watch The Chaser. That's my opinion. You can hear what Joe has to say. You can already tell I love it. I'm basically ruining the spot here, okay? The point is this. I love The Chaser. You can find it on uh, Apple... Uh, Apple TV Plus, you can rent it there, you can rent it on iTunes, you can purchase it, of course, too, you can rent it on YouTube, and uh, if you're brave, you can get on Amazon Prime, and you can uh, do a free subscription to some of these subscription services through there, and watch it for free, as long as you know how to cancel subscriptions, if that's what you want to do, make sure you know how to do that beforehand. That said, uh, I can't stress enough how much, how good The Chaser is. Uh, if you remember back to our very first bonus content episode with the band Bane, uh, Aaron Bedard, the vocalist, and I really gushed and encouraged the other two members that were on the call uh, to watch The Chaser. It was one of our biggest recommendations. I can't stress enough how good this is. So anyways, I'm done talking about that now. I'm going to go ahead and give you some, you know, my input on the upcoming film this Friday, The Get Together, before Joe and I do a long-form discussion of on, rather, The Chaser. So I hope you enjoy. McCall! Do you want to watch a movie tonight? Clark still has to sign out of his account so we can... Where are you going? I have a work thing. What? On a Friday night? Adulting? It's so dumb. Everyone's just trying to be an adult so quick, and it makes no sense. Why is everyone rushing so fast to go where? What are you going to do? I totally remember how it was when I first moved here, and if you want to meet some people, this party is probably going to be fun. August? Whoa, what are you doing here? I am so sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I tripped. I'm sorry. August! Uh, you're not going to guess who's here, actually. I'm literally not going to guess. Mm, Betsy. Oh my god, what are you doing here? She just walked in with her new slam piece, Damien. She's like the sweetest guy. Yeah. You guys would never get along. <laughs> Damien. For the 
love of God, tell me you are calling from the driveway. I'm about to propose, I swear. It's just that Betsy, she wanted to stop by this party and... Did I hear that right? No, Lucas, you can't... You're proposing! No, Lucas, Lucas, you can't say anything, okay? Oh, dude, mum's the word. My cousin hit this guy with his car, and I didn't say anything for like a week. Swim now! Shut the f I lost the ring. You lost the ring? Lacey, not a big deal. Okay, but I do know him, so it's totally no problem for me to just. Okay, Lacey, you are not above rideshare protocol. I'm gonna do it. Okay. Um, that was a really good talk. Okay. I'll see you later. Now that was the trailer for The Get Together, which I'm going to be talking about now. I had a screener for this, and, you know, this is uh, directed by Will Backey and starring Alejandro Rose Garcia, uh, Johanna Brady, Jacob Artist, and Courtney Parchman. If you don't know their names, uh, you'll actually probably recognize them if you look them up. Uh, I've seen a, a few of them on uh, TV. I've seen a couple of other films uh, with others. So I think you'll recognize them. Uh, this it comes out next Friday. May 14th, so it's coming up real soon here, just in a few days. And it follows the lives of four 20-somethings that intertwine over the course of one Friday night house party in this very millennial coming-of-age comedy. August, a quirky recent college grad struggling to find her footing in a new town, discovers her roommate and only friend has different plans for the future that don't include her. Damien and Betsy, a cute couple returning to Austin, bump into an old friend of Betsy's who invites them to a party, upending Damien's secret plan to propose. And finally, Caleb, a directionless musician whose life unravels after letting go of the love of his life, suddenly gets a second chance when he runs into her at the party. Each character attempts to navigate the often difficult problems that come with growing up in the modern world. World. This film is uh, only 74 minutes long, so uh, I will just let you know now, and I'm sure you will not be surprised. I have a few criticisms here. I'm just going to tell you straight up, though, any criticisms I have are bearable because of its uh, running time. 74 minutes is easy. Uh, my wife and I actually watched this, and, and we had a good time. You know, we, we ended up uh, enjoying it, but man, there are some issues here. Um, and there are some good things, and I, I want to start with some of the characters real quick. Uh, actress Corey Parchman plays August, and I actually think she's funny. Uh, not so much how her character is executed in the context of the movie, but she's actually an actress that seems to have something. Like, there's something there that I'm into. Her physical and verbal timing is good. You know, how she uses her voice is good, her look, etc. I mean, she seems to have, you know, either been limited by the overwriting of her character or the direction, but despite that, she worked for me as an actor, and I, I think she could be something special as she continues her career, possibly, uh, but I don't know, there, just the way she would yell sometimes just cracked me up. I, I found her uh, pretty funny. Now, Alejandro Rose Garcia plays Caleb. He's the, you know, directionless musician, and the character that, he's the character that brought the most nostalgia out of me, because he reminded me of an amalgam of several old friends of mine, you know, when I was his age, you know, my, my mid-20s. And, 
You know, though also overwritten, he had one of, if not the most believable performance in the entire film. And I think it's partially because his character is also believable. And I also recognize that I did somehow have some strange relation to him because he reminded me of people I know. That could be part of it. It was really easy for me to buy into Caleb, though, is what I'm getting at. So good effort there. Now, Joanna Brady and Jacob Artist are good here as well as Betsy and Damien. Mostly Brady, though. Again, Damien is overwritten here to a fault. If you're not catching the theme, uh, overwritten is the theme. And I actually noticed, you know, it, I actually noticed the overwriting mostly with Damien, that character. And despite him offering a fine performance, but wow, I actually wasn't a fan of this character uh, much at all, to be honest. Uh, I thought Artist did fine, the actor, but. Man, Dame, there's just something about Damien that felt off to me. And again, large port, part of that port, the large part of that is is the writing. But it, man, it felt off. And, and, and it was in large part because every, um, like not every scene, but several scenes that he's in, he's in with Lucas, another character played by Chad Werner. And Lucas chews the scenes and vomits them out. He is the most unbelievable character. He is not realistic in comparison to the other realistic characters. You know, uh, imagine, imagine, uh, you know, uh, man, who? Uh, imagine like Spicoli from Fast Times at Ridgemont High in like like Richard Linklater's Boyhood. Or something. I mean, this is a super random, a super random comparison. But my point is, it's like that just would not fit at all. That would be terrible. And I just, that's what I felt about Lucas here. I mean, it's not that ridiculous. Man, he was just, he's the, he's just not a real person. He's a cartoon in, uh, you know, in a fairly realistic movie. Fairly. I mean, again, it's a comedy. So, of course, there's a lot of playing to that. But, you know, Lucas is in so many scenes with Damien. And so I don't know if, if Damien got the rub there, <laughs> you know, and and it's that's part it's probably partly it. But man, Damien was just written badly. The end. I mean that that's pretty much that pretty much sums him up. So um, the film's production is fine. There really isn't much to say about it other than it functions for the film. The direction is good at times, decent at others, and you know sometimes left me wanting more. A little all over the place, but uh, especially the direction of the actors. That's really the only thing that left me wanting more. There seemed to be, I don't know if it was more takes that were needed uh, or or just a, a different directing approach regardless. That and the editing, I think, could have been maybe tightened up to make for some more believable moments. But um, several pivotal moments between characters felt stiff and unbelievable because of that. And, and that was kind of a bummer. But again, you know, the writing is probably the biggest issue here. However, you know, I, f I have a feeling that a lot of people under the age of, say, I don't know, 28, will actually find something to relate to here. Um, you know, and I would even say closer to college age and, and younger than the people in the movie. Um, but I'm saying 28 is probably a max because I think anyone over 28 may find these characters difficult to stand for very long. Luckily, again, it's only 74 minutes, hour and 14 minutes, folks. Very easy to sit through. Now, for me... The strange thing about this is I felt a great deal of nostalgia watching this movie. And it's funny because I didn't live a second of this movie. <laughs> Not at all. I mean, my, my childhood was so different than this. Or my childhood, my 20s. I mean, any part of my life was so different than this. Uh, but I don't know. It felt like something I remember. 
You know, and I, I can't really say much more than that. Can't put my finger on it, but there was something I connected with in this movie. And I don't know how to articulate it, even after seeing it. You know, I had a chance to watch it yesterday. I've had a day to think about it, and I have off and on. And I, that's the one thing I can't really put. You know, I could probably kind of fine-tune, and if I had another day, I could probably really break down each of these characters and really fine-tune that. First off, I don't want to take a ton of time because I want to get to our long-form talking about the chaser. But the other part of it, too, is like, you know... I, I could do that. I, I have a hard time with the nostalgia thing because watching this movie, like, you know, all these people are having so much fun. And yes, there's clearly conflict. But when we look back, hindsight being 2020, a lot of times the problems that we were facing at the time were very real in the moment, but they don't ruin our memories of those times. You know, like we might talk about, oh man, remember when we played beer pong at this party? And Johnny got totally wasted and vomited on Veronica's shoes. I don't know, making up things, you know, but like we might remember that. And that same day, we could have had, you know, a big fight with our partner. And we can talk about that, but we'll still kind of remember fondly these like, you know, the time that Johnny puked on Veronica's shoes. You know what I mean? And I don't know, there's something there's something like that in this movie. This I, I have never in my life been to a party like this. Okay, uh, any party, whether it's a high school party or a college party or or a, a young twenty somethings party that's like this in any movie, I can never relate to because I've never been to a party like that. I've never seen a party like that. I'm not saying they don't exist. I know frat parties can get really wild like this, and I've seen them on campuses, huge parties, but I can't relate to this. So why do I have such nostalgia watching this? I have no idea. But it was something, it felt like something special to me. And I don't think the film's great. I, I want to clarify that. It's not. But, man, there, there was this something I can't put my finger on. And, and if, if you watch it and you agree or disagree, uh, you know, you should, you should send me and tell me why. Because I would love to get your feelings on why, you know, why maybe I felt nostalgia toward this and maybe why you did as well. Um, or why you didn't, you know, maybe that can help me pinpoint this because I don't know, I have to give props to the directing and the writing and the performances for that alone. If for nothing else, for the fact that it, by the end of the movie, because it took me at least half the movie probably to get to this point, but there was a point though where that did happen and I did feel something for these characters to an extent, not all of them, but certain characters, I felt something for them. I wanted to see them succeed or resolve conflict or whatever their situation was. And it just felt relatable to me. Maybe I'm crazy. I don't know. But, you know, on that part of it, I liked it. Now, there's one more thing I want to touch on. Then we're going to move on here. One thing the writing did right is structure. Now, I love the structure. The structure of this movie basically starts with part one, which is August, and it follows August all the way to essentially the party. She goes in, you learn some things about August, she finds her roommate there, blah, blah, blah. There's there's a lot of conflict that happens there. And, it, you know, it's, it, there are parts that are really funny, and again, parts that are overwritten and kind of kill the funny factor, but either way, like, you know, uh, Courtney Parchman does really well there. So part one follows August. And then it gets to a certain point and essentially cuts to black and some music plays, if I remember correctly, in you know, part two. And then that will follow uh, uh, Betsy and Damien. 
So then you see them, you know, at dinner, and you can tell that Damien is, you know, has some sort of, he's hiding something, and Betsy is having a good time, and just as he's, you know, about to propose to Betsy, Lucas shows up, the the almighty piece of shit Lucas. He shows up and ruins everything, and, you know, he invites him to a party, and then that gets him to the party, and then you see Damien freaking out about wanting to propose, and then you see Betsy kind of freaking out because her ex, which is uh, uh, Caleb, you know, Betsy's ex, Caleb, is going to be there. So, you know, then she's kind of talking to Caleb and, and trying to just be normal, and then Damien's worried about this proposal thing, and there's conflict there, and it's good. And then part three follows Caleb, and it goes back you know, and it works its way all the way pretty much to the end, and you see the overlapping stories, and you see certain scenes, you know, uh, redone from the perspective of another character, which often has different meaning. I gotta tell you, for as much as I've been shitting on the writing, most of the writing issues are actually dialogue and character, okay? That's, that's mostly the problem I have with it. In terms of plot and story, I'm actually a really big fan of this, and this is a large part of what made this movie so tolerable as well, because uh, I, I honestly think that this is the structure of the film is actually pretty good, and the fact that certain characters like Caleb are, are relatable enough, you know, someone you can kind of like grasp onto a bit, and that you can see the conflict in each of the stories as well as see how the conflicts, you know, overlap and 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 uh, intertwine, you know, with one another. Uh, that is quite well done, I think. And and that really did kind of uh, hook me and pull me through the 74-minute running time. That is really the winner, 74 minutes. Uh, because this also, you know, overall, just generally overall with the performances, all, overall production, execution, it felt like um, an episode of a TV show. You know, and that might sound to some people like cool. Some people, it might sound like I'm, you know, diss in the movie or whatever, you know, and that's not the case. Uh, this is like a TV show I would like to see. Uh, and so it was like watching one episode or something and then being able to move on. I didn't actually need to learn more about them. I felt like I knew enough about them. It could be a really cool TV show. Like I'd probably watch the TV show. Um, but the production, you know, no matter how much TV wants to be movies and vice versa at times, but in terms of production, uh, I can always tell a TV show. It's very rare that I don't. Something like uh, the first season of True Detective is can fool me almost. You know, I almost get that like movie immersion quality in it. But there are very few shows. This feels like, you know, a TV show to me in terms of the overall vibe, feel, performances, all of that. Again, that's not a bad thing. That's just a heads up. However you feel about that. You can feel that way. But the structure is the winner here. The performances overall, for the most part, were pretty good. I mean, Chad Werner, who played Lucas, though I hate Lucas, Chad Werner did really well at being that annoying character. You know, so the performances overall were pretty pretty well, well done. The characters are overwritten and, and kind of poorly realized, with the exception of Caleb. Caleb was a pretty believable character, but I don't really credit as much of that to the writing as I do the performance. And uh, like I said, nostalgia really carried me. And I think my wife even felt that way that, you know, uh, 
I think she had kind of a hard time getting into it, but once she did, there was like a bit of nostalgia there as well. Even though neither one of us have been to party a party like that exactly, and and been in those situations. So, anyways, I hope I hope that uh, some of you are able to see this. I gave this a three out of five. Again, not it's not great, but you know, I, by the end, I actually had a pretty good time with this. Believe it or not, it comes out this Friday on demand. So you know, search for that. That's Will Backey's The Get-Together. So on Friday, you can get it on demand. Go get that shiz. Um, you know, like I said, I gave it a 3 out of 5. Hopefully, you'll let me know on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at MediumCoolPod or email us at MediumCoolPod at gmail.com to let me know what you thought of it because I would love to get your input. For now, however, we're going to move on to my conversation with our good friend Joe Shearer. Uh, about the South Korean film The Chaser, and also I might talk a little bit about new Korean cinema. Who knows? I mean, who knows? Uh, all that and more. Stay tuned. All right, Joe, we're here today to discuss uh, my next favorite in the old Austin's favorites pantheon. Um, and I'll, I'll be completely honest, Joe, I, I didn't actually, I hadn't watched this probably since like 2013, 14, maybe as late as 15, but mm-hmm. I, I definitely didn't, haven't watched it in the last six years for sure. So I was a little nervous going into it. This is the first pick that I had where I was like, man, I might not like this as much and we'll see where <laughs> it kind of fell when we get yeah. into the conversation. But yeah, so this is my first kind of risk. Um, and I, I hope you liked it. We'll get there, though. Don't you say a word. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. We'll um, so I wanted to start, before we get into The Chaser, uh, Joe, I, I, don't, I don't assume you to be a South Korean cinema aficionado. I could be wrong. Yeah. I, I wouldn't call myself an aficionado. I've seen, you know, I've seen The Host. I've seen Old Boy. I've seen Parasite. Um, but, yeah, it's not something I'm watching on a regular... I've seen Train to Busan, which is... Um, you know, again, a relatively newer film. Um, Basically, the yeah, hits I, that yeah, come to the U.S. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And gotcha. I'm and I'm a, I'm a fan of of all those movies. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm not. I wouldn't necessarily call myself an aficionado of South Korean cinema in general. I I would by no means consider myself a know it all of South mm-hmm. Korean cinema, but I am quite the fan, mm-hmm. and might be. I might be able to earn the label aficionado. I'm not sure. But I thought I would start by telling you a little bit about, and the listeners, of course, a little bit about Korean cinema, but particularly new Korean cinema. We'll talk a little bit about what that is. And then we'll hop into The Chaser and we'll do our long-form discussion. So I want to start by talking about the new Korean cinema. Um, In the 1980s, the South Korean government began to relax its censorship and control uh, of the film industry, which was actually really extreme. So much like the American production code that we had, you know, from 1934 to about 1966, yes. um, where the government pretty much like okayed what was going to come out and it would just put the kibosh on anything it didn't want. Right. Um, and of course, that started loosening up in the 50s as TV started to kind of take over and hurt cinema's income. And there's a whole story behind that. But with new Korean cinema, we're talking about South Korea and we're talking about the government that was very very kind of thumb on on the mm-hmm. studios or the filmmakers, so to speak. So, you know, in the 1980s, though, that started to kind of relax a little bit. And 
their motion uh, picture law uh, from 1984 allowed independent filmmakers to begin producing films. So prior to that, you couldn't do that. It just wasn't allowed, pretty much. Uh, And I'm not saying it never was done, but I'm just saying it was not commonplace, was not supposed to happen. In 1986, there was a revision to that law that allowed for more films to be imported to South Korea. So imagine this, listeners and Joe. Imagine if all we had, much like the production code era, were movies that the government sanctioned as okay, right? So every other movie is like, nope, you're not allowed in our country at all. So the people growing up in South Korea only got what their government told them was allowed. So in 1986, they get like a century's worth of movies, pretty much. Can you imagine? I can't imagine. So in 1986, they get this huge onslaught of movies. And this was called the recovery era, right? All of this whole period. And this spanned, you know, into the mid-90s. And around 1996, you had a lot of filmmakers like Park Chan-wook, who did, as you mentioned earlier, he made Old Boy. Uh, and many others. We'll touch on a few others later. But uh, Bong Joon-ho also, who would go on to make Memories of Murder, which is my favorite, but he also did the award-winning Parasite, as you mentioned also. And uh, Kim Ji-woon, another famous guy who did A Tale of Two Sisters, which got in a U.S. remake, which I yeah. forget what it was. Was it called Unborn or was it Uninvited? One of those two was the remake. Uh, all of the Un-movies. We had a whole onslaught of U.S bad horror yeah. movies called Unsomething, so I can't remember. <laughs> but Kim Ji-Woon made Untenable. the original. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Kim Ji-Woon made a, a, a Tale of Two Sisters and I Saw the Devil, which is free on Prime if anybody wants to see I Saw the Devil. Really great. And yeah. so all of them, all of those three as well as others, all of whom only in the past decade prior you know, to 1996 got to see all these movies. So they were just... Had a, they had a wealth of creativity and unique visions to offer the cinematic world. So this is where things start getting great. Mm-hmm. So new Korean cinema movement, that movement was basically born in the mid-90s. Usually a lot of people say it starts right around 1997. It was also called the Renaissance era. And uh, some, would, uh, some would say that from 1997 it continues to today. Like even Parasite is a new Korean cinema. And yeah. I kind of understand that. I, 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 get, I get what they're doing. It's kind of how people look at film noir. There are different ways. Is it a genre? Is it a style? You know, and I think, I think they're more looking at it as kind of a, a historical setting. But I tend to side with the sect of people who see new, new Korean cinema as having kind of certain characteristics in common that set them apart from all Korean cinema, right? Yeah. So, for example, there were French movies being made in the 1960s that weren't in the French New Wave, Right, they weren't French New Wave pictures, um, and that distinction is kind of similar to how I view the Korean cinema thing. But either way, uh, you know, I usually say from about 1997 to 2009 was the real true North or new. Oh my gosh, new Korean cinema was from about 1997 to 2009, and in that time, after that time. You know, you get a lot of the movies you mentioned, like Parasite or Trip to Busan or I Saw the Devil, which I mentioned, and a whole a whole lot of movies. And they're not really new anymore. Like, the things they're doing are, are only new because they start kind of, a lot of them blend what the new Korean cinema was doing and have more of a Western or European slant yes. to them as well, right? So mm-hmm. that's why I kind of make that distinction. Again, very nerdy point, listeners. 
it doesn't ultimately matter. Go watch the movies. And if you are interested, I wanted to drop a few titles, Joe. And I'm I'm curious if you've seen some of these. A lot of these you have because you already mentioned them. But if you're interested in checking out more uh, new Korean cinema, here are some titles uh, to consider both in and outside of my classifications, I guess. So the first three, I would say, are all from Bong Joon-ho, who did Parasite. And he did Memories of Murder, which was just released by Criterion Collection. We're going to talk about that. I'll just give you a heads up on that. We are definitely going to be talking yeah. about that movie at some point. And then The Host, which you mentioned earlier, really great. And then yeah. Mother, he did in 2009, which had huge like rave reviews. So then another thing, another three movies I would encourage people to check out if you're interested is The Vengeance Trilogy by Park Chan-wook. That's yep. uh, the 2002 Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, Old Boy in 2003, and Lady Vengeance in 2005. Uh, all of those are great. You do not have to watch one before another. The thing yeah. that makes them a trilogy is the uh, structure of vengeance in each of them. They're all revenge movies, basically. But the way that they're structured... And how those stories play out is very much what makes it a trilogy. None of the characters are the same. None of the stories are the same. Often they even look a lot different, right, uh, visually. Mm-hmm. Really great, though. Uh, they actually have, I believe, also a an American proper, like, U.S. release of that trilogy. I have a random Canadian import, you know, <laughs> that I bought, like, you know, 10 years ago or something. But yeah, uh, back in the day, you had to do that, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Arrow Video put it out, but I, I could be wrong. Um, but you can find it. Another Park Chan-wook picture, which was really important and kind of really kick-started on a global scale, is uh, Joint Security Area. This is a really great story. Uh, just real quick, this is a really great story about South Korea and North Korea's relationship and how um, there are kind of, like, you have the border of North Korea and South Korea, and they have military at all of these checkpoints across the border on both sides just to make sure no one's being wonky, right? Well, there's the, this this whole movie is... It's much like Joey Noel. I don't know if you saw that movie, Joey Noel, but it's that's a World War One movie where Scots, French, and Germans are all in trenches, but on Christmas they do a, tr- they do a, yeah. a truce or whatever, and they all have yeah. Christmas together, and they have to go fight their now friends. Well, yes. JSA or, or Joint Security Area is kind of like that. There's one day where, for some reason, these South Korean military guys, these North Korean guys, kind of become friends, but then they're forced back to the front lines to kind of be at odds with one another. And it's it's it was like a really important movie for Korea, so you guys should check that out. Uh, for Kim Ji-woon, the guy that did uh, A Tale of Two Sisters, he has a couple movies. Again, A Tale of Two Sisters, I already mentioned, but The Foul King. The Foul King uh, involves wrestling, and... I've seen it considered uh, as the Karate Kid, if it were comedy, and about wrestling. You know, it's like yeah. a kind of a silly uh, thing. A couple, uh, two more. Save the Green Planet, which is by Zhang Junhuan from 2003. That's another one to check out. Uh, that one's pretty silly, kind of a weird, uh, dark, dark kind of funny grim torture movie it's it's like it's weird man and then the last one is way is definitely outside of my classifications the last one i'm going to say and it's by a filmmaker named kim kaduk and kim kaduk himself said pretty much he wanted nothing to do with the new korean cinema he didn't want to be in like considered kind of in that group and his films are very different and they're a lot more formal like formalist than a lot of these new Korean movies. So he's not really a new Korean director, but he was in the same era. And for all intents and purposes, he was just as impactful as any of them. Maybe not as commercially successful, 
But his films really were powerful and moving. He had one called Spring, Summer, Fall, Winter, and Spring. It came out in 2003. If you can't tell, 2003 was a huge year uh, for a lot of these movies. Lots of greats. Uh, Spring, Summer, Fall, Winter, and Spring. Again, not a new Korean cinema film per se, but uh, a really great Korean movie. If you can't tell, Joe, I- I've been dying to talk about Korean cinema. I- I'm just yeah. ready. I'm ready for this. So anyways, all that to say, there's a little history on basically when South Korean cinema was born. I mean, again, you know, you had you had the government sanctioned movies, but in terms of just like the freedom to do whatever you want, you know, that we're there by 1997. And again, they're still kind of changing the game today. South Korea is a huge, awesome place to go check out movies. Unlike anything you've seen, they do really great work. And, and one example of that is Na Hong Jin's the Chaser, which Joe and I watched for this week, and yes. uh, The Chaser also I would consider, you know, technic. It's 2008 is when it was released, February 14th, 2008. Which I love that it was Valentine's Day. Anybody who's yeah. seen this knows why I love this because this is just like the worst date movie ever yeah. to go to. <laughs> right. So I just think that's just so great. But then it got a U.S. release in New York in December 12th, 2009. But when I was watching movies, I only heard of it in 2010 with its DVD release. And it was on people's 2010 uh, lists. So it was on, it made my top 10 at the time. And it would still be there, I'm sure, in 2010. So, uh, yeah, th- this is kind of a weird one. It technically was in those years, 97 to 2009, like I said. Um, but its impact kind of was a little after that. It's it's a weird kind of fringe one for me. And it also sure. doesn't really feel like some of those old ones. Now, Joe, you've seen yeah. you've seen Old Boy, you've seen The Host, and I'm yeah. sure that though you can find similarities in The Chaser, you can also feel the difference in yeah. in terms of kind of the heaviness and the grimness. It's it's a bit more in this. Yeah. And uh check this out though. This is fascinating. I wasn't even gonna put a budget and box office in this until I found out what it was. Oh, it wow. cost $2.6 million to make. And okay. in the U.S. box office only, so this number's only for the U.S., with such a limited release of only New York, and of course it, it was picked up by uh, several festivals. I mean, it was, it was in the festival circuit here. It made yeah. $35.8 million. Wow. Isn't that insane? That's I a was, lot of money. For I was like definitely this. expecting like 1.5. <laughs> like I sure, just didn't yeah. think it yeah. had the circulation. Somehow this thing, it, dude, I I'm, I question whether this is a mistake. Was the decimal point yeah. moved over? Like I, I can't figure that one out because <laughs> I literally don't know how this made more money than other movies we've talked about. Because most yeah. of the movies we've talked about, like none of the ones we've talked about up to this point, I feel are very obscure. So anyways... Yeah. Uh, this is The Chaser, everybody. It's uh, a film that follows Jung Ho, uh, an ex-detective turned pimp with uh, financial troubles, as several of the sex workers under him, uh, working under him, have recently disappeared without clearing their debts. While trying to track them down, he finds a clue that the vanished girls were all called by the same customer whom one of his girls is meeting with right now at that time in the movie. Mm-hmm. It starts out as uh, Jung Ho thinking the girls are fleeing or being kidnapped um, and sold to human trafficking rings. And then it starts with him hunting down Mi Jin, which is the sex worker meeting with this mysterious customer, in order to find the bastard stealing his workers. But he very quickly realizes 
Things are far more grim than he expected. The Chaser is one part serial killer revenge thriller and three parts police procedural, which I don't think anyone would actually get uh, from the trailer, but just but in the best way. Like that's actually a huge compliment from from, sure. from me. Uh, we learn early on who the customer, aka the killer, is, and so does Jung Ho. And this this plot point is actually really important to the emotional experience the viewer has while watching, because a lot of the frustration that I'm sure you experienced, I hope, and that I know I experienced, is due to our protagonist and us by proxy, the viewers, knowing the truth about everything while the plot gets held up by red tape from the fuck-up cops uh, present in the film. So you get, you know, we know by the end of the first act, pretty much, who the killer is, and our protagonist also knows who this person is, Mm-hmm. But no one else does, and they're both untrustworthy, you know, <laughs> and and so yeah. no one knows how to deal with it. So it gets very frustrating as they work through, you know, these procedures and get through this red tape uh, when we know who the person is. This essentially acts as the fish hook to bait and drag the audience along. And what unfolds is, in my opinion, a riveting story about a complete asshole pimp who has a complete character journey from start to finish as he tries to save the life of his worker and get revenge on the man responsible. Joe, this was your first time seeing The Chaser. I'm not sure how well-versed... Well, I have a better idea of how well-versed you are in South Korean cinema, but I'm not certain to what extent. But how did The Chaser work as a serial killer slash police procedural movie for you? Uh... Yeah, I, I think it worked. I think it worked for me. Um, you know, so, you know, I want to disclaim that as we're recording now, I literally, within the last half hour, finished the movie. Um, so it's really, really fresh in my mind. Slacker. So, so, so <laughs> no, to a degree, I'm processing this. But yeah, yeah, you know, things have been busy. But um, uh, I'm, I'm still processing it to a degree. But but I did enjoy it quite a bit. Um you know, and I know I referenced some of those other movies, uh, and and as you you kind of touched on those kinds of those movies, the the host, Parasite, Old Boy, the, you know, the the Vengeance trilogy, I guess in general, which I, I have seen all of those. Um, those Train to Busan too, especially for me, all of those movies I found to be really accessible as a western viewer you know as as an american i'll just say it like that as an american who's used to watching you know american action films and american dramas and american serial killer films all of those movies were really accessible to me i I didn't find you know there i mean of course there are some cultural differences here and there but but for the most part the structure and all that stuff they all they all worked pretty naturally i mean train to busan is just a zombie movie you know in in essence i mean it's it's got it's it's a it's a little more than your average horror or uh, zombie movie here you know that you would see here but um you know it, it feels like that you know that's the structure basically and and it, it adheres to most of the conventions and um you know even the scares and all that stuff they're all very similar uh, and and the same to a degree for those other movies um so that's one thing i want to say is you know in terms of those movies but this one this one has I wouldn't say it's inaccessible at all. Um, it's it's a little. I think it's a little less Western maybe than those some of those. Uh, and I don't know how to what degree necessarily, but not maybe not significantly, but but to a degree. Um, 
and and I and I say that as a good thing, not as a bad thing. Um, and you know, there, there's a and there's maybe a couple of things I want to you know that I would touch on to to talk about that that, that I found interesting and fun even. Um, and the the first was, and you know, and I don't want to get too far into it, but th this is toward the beginning. There, there's a scene where you know Jung Ho is chasing the the killer. This is like their first meeting, right? They, you know, they, like I said, they, there's, it's a chase scene. Yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's an on foot chase. Scene. They have a happenstance meeting where yes. they accidentally meet. Jung Ho yeah. figures out who he is, and then it's a foot chase. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. so good, but continue. It's so good. But, but, you know, if, if you compared it to, say, you know, the Lethal Weapon films, which have a lot of, you know, on, you know, foot based chase scenes. Yeah. It doesn't adhere to any of those kind of those kinds of standards, right? There's no, um, there's no music, you know. There's no like intense music. They're not even running particularly fast, right? Like they they, you know, the chase starts and they're running hard, and they of course they tire, and it gets really slow. Yeah, they're kind of jogging. <laughs> yeah, and they're all, yeah they're almost yeah they're almost just like like jog walking at one point, and then you know it. But it felt there was a there was a lot of um, it, it felt real, you know, in that sense. And, and when yeah. they do finally catch each other, or when or when uh, Jung Ho ca does catch him, the fight is really—it's not hard hitting and exciting, and there's not like, you know, huge punches and big kicks. It's they're you know they're both exhausted, and so that they're basically like slap fighting a little bit. I mean, they're punch. There's a punch or two, but it's very they're weak, and you know, and and that's by design because they're exhausted. I that that's just, that's you know the, the first thing maybe and maybe we'll get into a couple others down the road but that's the first one that that really struck me I was like wow this is this is different but it's really cool <laughs> and uh, I, I I was I was into it so um, I just I just went along with it so um, so yeah so to answer your question yes I enjoyed it I thought it was pretty good <laughs> <laughs> I mean I want to touch on what you're talking about here. Uh, sure. both with it being, and we can continue with a few more of your points if you want, but I, I want to talk, I want to stick with, uh, I think this is a good place to start, which yeah. is how westernized this is. And it's, it's what, what I find very interesting is I, I actually feel the opposite of you, but I feel uh -huh. kind of like we end in the same place, which is interesting because I actually think something like Old Boy, Mm -hmm. uh, Memories of Murder, which you haven't seen Memories of Murder, correct? No, no. So yeah, no. great, because I can't wait for you to watch it, because it's also another kind of police procedural serial killer thing. It's just, uh, it, it functions very differently than The Chaser. Uh, I mean, they're very, they're different sides of the same kind of coin. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, it's, those movies feel so South Korean to me that the weirdness of them, much like when people got really into Japanese horror after the grudge and the ring were put out in the U S versions and people were going back to Japanese horror. Mm -hmm. And they were so like, I'm thinking about how many people you were around that were just like, dude, fuck us horror movies. Like Japanese horror is where it is. Right. And yeah, I, yeah. I used to be around people that were just like hardcore Japanese horror fans and South Korean stuff is the same way. I think it's still, accessible on the level of it's weird in a way that we like it to be weird, right? Yeah. But man, I think they're so strange. I actually used to, when I first saw The Chaser, I used to use that as a gateway because I was like, dude, just watch this movie. It's like way more, I used to say it's way more westernized actually than the <laughs> other ones just yeah. because uh -huh. just because it was more like the procedural, like it's very easy to follow. 
Like yeah. I feel like someone could watch Old Boy or something and not really know what's going on. It's just really cool. Like because yeah. you know, it's just like super weird and it's like why is he pulling this guy's teeth out with a hammer? You know that kind of a thing. Uh, but yeah, the chaser. At least it's like super easy to follow. Now the production oh, yeah. is definitely very mm-hmm. South Korean, and I think that's we were looking at it in like kind of two yeah. different ways because the the way that it's produced is very much South Korean as well. And one yes. thing I love about that, just to touch on it, and then I want to give you a chance to either uh, respond or add to or just move on to another point is um, one thing that I absolutely adore about South Korean cinema, kind of at large, particularly at new Korean cinema stuff. And those the era that I mentioned, the thing that I love about it is it's like those movies like live in a gray world, like not black and white. It's very much yeah. like everyone is a gray character. It's very difficult to fight like or find like a good hero. You know, if mm-hmm. you think of old boy, that dude does so much fucked up stuff, but we root for him because we think he deserves revenge. Right, you know, like like that sort of a thing. He's a terrible person, though. And and same with this. Like you have Jung Ho, who is, um, you know, again, he used to be a detective. He was kind of shamed and lost his job. Now he's like a pimp working with all these sex workers in this business, and he sends them out to meet their their Johns, so to speak. Right, and uh, man, but even whenever one of them gets hurt, he doesn't care so much about them. He just wants his money. And he's going to make sure that that person pays for hurting them because they just cost him money. Right. Yeah. Uh, So it's like, you know, he's just a terrible person. Right. And it's not even that he's like a good person by the end. It's that same thing with old boy where it's like, because at the end, he makes a decision. That's all I'll say. Yeah. And that shows you that he really hasn't so much changed how he thinks or who he is. Mm-hmm. But it's more of like he's had this journey realizing like, wow, these these sex workers that work with me here, you know, yeah. my women, as he'd probably call them or whatever, you know, yeah. these crazy women, uh, you know, they actually mean something to more than just me making money. They mean something to me. They mean something to their children. They mean something to their yeah. families. These are human beings. I find that like really powerful. It's it's so much better to me than just having a hero who already knows good and is fighting mm-hmm. such bad situations and then ends good. Like this I love that this guy is just like a bad person, but he's yeah. like funny and he's kind of charming so we like kind of follow him we, we it's interesting. And yeah. the, I mean because even whenever he finds when he finds the killer in the scene you were talking about he starts chasing him. He's like yeah. such an asshole to this guy too. You know, like <laughs> yeah. he's not just like, oh, you're the bad guy, get over here. He's just like making fun of him. He's just like, Oh, I'm gonna fucking kill you. You know, like he's uh-huh. just like he's just a, yeah. a hood, dude. Like, I don't know, he's yeah. just like a mob guy, basically. But I just yeah. love his journey and stuff. And I love that scene that you mentioned. I just wanted to give my point on the Western thing, because when you said that, I was like, Man, that's super interesting. Cause I yeah. always said the opposite. But then I picked up on kind of where we were separating there. So, yeah, no, yeah, you got it. Um, but yeah, so yeah, what you said, you had a few points. Did you have another point you wanted to bring up, kind yeah, of with? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, and and maybe this is more of a um, of a point that is unique to this movie. Um, but the the way the police are portrayed in general, which which I guess this is not, you know, if you think about movies like you know the Die Hard movies and things where the cops are generally bumbling, you know, I'm, although, you know, John McClane is super cop. And so to a degree, that's the kind of thing, but um, that's the kind of thing that they're going for in those movies. But 
you don't generally see the police portrayed as you know quite this bumbling and inept and yeah um you know they're they're very tied to the politics of everything you know there, there's a scene with the prosecutor at one point where they're like we can't prosecute this guy because he's all beaten up and they're going to think that that it's police brutality and he's going to just walk and you guys screwed up and it's like the guy who beat him up isn't even he's a former cop not a cop now he's a you know and as you said he's a disgraced cop but but it was the optics of it were you know was was what was important to them yeah and i i oh, go ahead sorry go well i was saying that that's just an interesting point because the and but the cops themselves too also as it went along there's this whole sequence or i mean really a couple of scenes where they have both of them both um both um Junho and and the killer whose name i can't remember now um they have them both in the at the station and you know and and he the, the killer is i mean he's confessing to murdering people and they're like what's going on and they, they just bungle the whole thing so badly it, it's even it's easy to see because he's sitting there going come on this is what's going on and they don't now now he's wrong also you know because he's he's trying to say that he's faking he's trying to look crazy because at the time he he doesn't know that he's a murderer and that he's murdered all these people he thinks that he's kidnapped these women and sold them into slavery into sex slavery to some other place yeah so so he's you know he's doing this thing and the cops too are just hanging on his words and they they really just don't know how to react to it and and it was I, i thought it was really interesting uh, how they did that but yeah it's it's just the whole the whole film just does little things like that and and some of them are maybe just you know cultural differences maybe some of them are you know inherent to this film and in what you know what what they're trying to say in, in making the film but um it, it creates a slightly different experience in terms of as you said watching a police procedural and watching uh you know even a revenge movie yeah. um there's these kind of kind of fun differences from what we're used to seeing so um yeah, it's there's th- this movie's just full of that. Yeah, one hundred, dude, one hundred percent. And the killer, which I don't even think they ever really mention his name much. His name is uh, Ji Young Min. We can call yeah. him Ji, I guess, which is pretty uh-huh. great. Uh, yeah. But yeah, uh, but I don't even know if they ever mention it. I always just call him the killer. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> dude, yeah, that was something I actually had a note for too. I just put everyone looks like a scrambling fuck up in South Korean movies. You know, like, uh, because everyone is scrambling around, you know, Mm -hmm. and yeah, they have no idea. There's a point where, um, you know, uh, Jung Ho is basically, he finds these cops. No, 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 wait, wait, wait. How's that go? Basically, he passes all the cops, gets into this room with the killer and starts beating the shit out of them, which you alluded to. And all the cops are just somewhere else. Like, no one's yeah. watching this guy. There's another time where you just, like, see cops just, like, look at people who are clearly doing something stupid and walk away. <laughs> yes. And, you know, there's even a point where, like, there are all of these cops waiting for the mayor to walk through, like, to come <laughs> through. And then some random dude just throws literal feces on him. Yeah. And then all the cops scramble out of this van to go save him where they when they should have been in the crowd probably or you know yeah. like been there to stop something like that. I mean, the, yeah, they're they're comp- and the best is when they're both in the the police building like you were talking about. Yeah. And and you know, for all intents and purposes, the killer is owning up to it. He's like, "Yeah, I killed all the women." 
But they don't yeah. know how to take that. They're like, wait, what do you mean you killed all the women? He's like, yeah, I killed them and I buried them. And they're not asking him like they believe him anymore. It's more like, what do you mean you buried him? Where did you bury yeah. him? <laughs> like, like they don't, yeah. they don't know how to yeah, take like what he's saying. Yeah, he, are, he does. Are the dead women in this room with us now? Yeah. Are they talking to you? You know, I mean, yeah. they those aren't literal lines, but that's that's essentially how they're treating him, right? Yeah. yeah. And the whole time, again, we're there with Jung Ho, like, dude, you guys have him right there, and you guys are idiots. And it obviously turns until the captain gets there. At one point, yeah. they're all just fighting. Like, like yeah. all the cops yeah, are in there arguing. fighting each other, like the detectives yeah. versus the mm-hmm. cops at the police station. And I mean, yeah, every cop is a complete fuck up in these movies. Mm-hmm. And, and, and who is our quote unquote hero? A yeah. pimp. Like yeah. a dude that failed at even being that thing. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, that thing. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. And like you said, a lot of it is politics. It's not that every cop is stupid as much mm-hmm. as it's like, they're also kind of held by this, uh, these mm-hmm. politics. And it, and it, it really is a cultural thing. You can watch memories of murder. It's the same thing. Like the yeah. cops, all the cops are the same. The, the <laughs> yeah. main actor in parasite is in a lot of Bong Joon Ho's stuff. And he was in memories of murder. And, um, He's so great, but he's yeah. one of those kind of bumbling idiots, as he was in The Host and pretty much yeah. most of the movies that he does with Bong Joon-ho. Um, but yeah, dude, it, but all of the people, for the most part, are that way too. Like, the police officers stand out because we don't typically see them that way here uh, or portrayed that way. But yeah, it's like everyone is kind of a bumbling idiot or just like super naive. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it makes yeah. me it makes me wonder if that's just a big part of like the gray worldview, this very cynical worldview that the film portrays. I mean, it's very clearly very cynical, including all of those things. And if you know a little bit about Korean culture, you start to kind of pick up on why. And there are just so many facets to that. But that's that's a good observation. That's like I said, I had notes for that, too, because it's just so funny how just dumb and bumbling they are. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly right. It's really great memories of murder. I can't wait for you to watch that. Anyways, um, <laughs> but how did how did you feel about like, you know, I, a lot of people are often surprised because they think they're going into this horror movie because it's often classified as a horror movie, and the violence and gore in it are horror worthy. I would say, sure, yeah. uh, but it's not a horror movie. Um, but like, I love the fake out of you're about to watch a serial killer thriller. And then once mm-hmm. the second act kicks in, it's like, oh wait, this is a procedural. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. instead, instead of the like memories of murder, where the detectives are trying to find the serial killer, we know who the killer is. They're yeah. trying to find the sex worker that went yeah. with this customer. And the yeah. problem is, and I actually believe them. I don't know if it's a work or if it's like a shoot here, because yeah. the serial killer is like, they're like, so what's the address? And he's like, I don't know. And you realize like he murdered someone and just lives in their house. He probably doesn't know the address. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and it's just like so great. But like, how, how do you, how do you feel about, or did you maybe feel like you were about to get into this serial killer movie? And then you uh, kind of got into this procedural that it kind of just like flawlessly goes into, did you, how did you feel about that experience? I yeah. Guess? Yeah. For, for a few minutes, it was, it, it was, it threw me off. And, and I was like, I, I don't understand what's going on right now. Yeah, you know, for it, it took me it took me about five minutes to adjust to it, and once I did, one you know, once I adjusted and and was able to change my mindset, it it all worked for me. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, but for a few minutes, I, I was just expecting 
you know, as you said, expecting more gore or expecting a, um, I don't know, just something else, as you said, kind of in a serial killer context that happened, more fighting, even more actual like action. And there was not, you know, there was not that. Instead, it, it yeah, it veers off and it's, you know, and they're essentially investigating, they're, they're questioning the, the guy. And, and, and meanwhile, you know, Jung Ho is, is off doing his thing and he's trying, he's trying to break away from the cops because he wants to go look for, uh, for his, the, the woman. And it, it takes him a few minutes and he's getting really frustrated and, you know, and we're getting frustrated because it's lingering in the station for a long time. And, and then he gets out and then it, it almost goes off to me in a whole different direction again when they when they meet the daughter, this is me. Me Jen is the the name of the woman who yeah. is missing, and we meet her daughter. We we had met her daughter briefly um, earlier in the film, and then we meet her again because Jung Ho goes to her apartment, and <laughs> which is I really is love itself, this kid. It, it's it's really a great it's really a great scene where, you know, they walk in and he's got, he's, I don't know who the guy is with him. He's a cop, I think, right. The guy that's with him. Yeah. He's uh oh my God. He's like a forensics guy. Or yes. Something. Yes. Yes. Thank you. I was like, yeah. I can't think of the word, but he's like a forensics yeah. guy sent with him to go to yeah. this house. Yeah. Yeah. So, so he knocks on the door as he's walking in and, and, and Jung Ho is like, what are you doing? Stupid. There's nobody in there. You know, like she's missing. And he does. And it, it's kind of a telling bit that he doesn't realize even that she's got a daughter. Yeah. And he, he proceeds, you know, there's a glass at the door, which he breaks and then looks through and, and the daughter is, oh, I don't know, she's seven and she's sitting there on the phone with the police yeah, <laughs> because it's, these guys are breaking in her apartment. Yeah, it's so great too his reaction because yeah. he breaks the window and then it's the camera from inside the place looking at him look through and he kind of like yeah. gasps and steps back because he just was yeah. so not expecting to see a human. Yeah. And then they try to negotiate with her. Like they don't just yeah. run over and take the phone. They're like, no, yeah. no, 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 put it down. <laughs> like, you know, like yeah. I and mean, he yells just, at her. Yeah, he yells at her. And he's like, what? Why didn't you say you were in here? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Well, that's like his whole MO up to that point is he blames everyone else, you yes. know, for what's happening. But, dude, yeah, that's so great. And, and even, even like that scene, you know, mm -hmm. uh, with the glass and everything, or, or yeah. n numerous other scenes where, whether it's a fight scene, um, or yeah. or the uh, the chase sequence, everything's so sloppy, but in like yeah. the best way. Like oh, I, yeah. Yeah. I I mean personally, and this is again personal preference. I prefer this to U.S. like everything looks perfect kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, I prefer this like a billion times. I mean, even with Old Boy with that that long six minute take fight scene, that's super yeah. sloppy. I mean, yeah. so sloppy. But in again intentionally in the best way the camera just captures the action and they do it and and that was always just one of my favorite fight scenes because it was just so visceral and cool and um all that and i feel the same way about this like with all the chases with all the fights i mean especially i'll just say a fight near the end i don't know how else yeah. to say that i hope you're picking up what i'm putting off there but uh i mean that one is thrilling to me yeah. You know, because they're both beating the shit out of each other, both yeah. characters I'm referring to. And I mean, oh dude, I don't want to I don't want to ruin anything. I don't want to talk about that anymore. But it, dude, it's real good. Um Well well and even the you know the the scene because you know, as you said, we we see that this this killer, he's he gets he brings me Jin into his place and um and, and Jung Ho has told her get to his place 
tell him you need to take a shower first and then text me his address because there's something going on with this guy. Like this is the guy that's selling my girls off. Yeah. So, so, you know, we see this whole scene and it's a, Oh, it's a great scene. She goes into the bathroom and she can't text. There's no signal. She's, you know, she's like texting him the address, but then she looks down, there's no signal in the house. And she, she tries to like go to the window and the window is like bricked off or something. Yeah. And so then she makes an excuse and she's like, I got to go back out to the car for a second. I forgot she, a she condom. Him, That's what she said. Yeah, she forgot <laughs> the condom. And, and he's just sitting there casually like watching TV waiting for her. And he's like, okay. And then she walks to the door and there's a padlock on the door. But like the door is real quick padlock. though, the reveal is so great, Joe. Oh, because so she good. walks to it and then she just freezes. And all you see is her face for like five yeah. seconds and she freezes. You don't know what's going on until it cuts to a close up yeah. of the padlock. And you realize yeah. this fucker is just toying with her. Yeah, so absolutely. Yeah. And and then, you know, he, of course, then I think it cuts and then we it comes back and he's trying to k- kill her and he's killing, he's attacking her with a hammer and a, a metal chisel. And it's so, it's so like cringy and I mean, in a good way, right? Like, um, because he keeps, he can't quite get the chisel where he wants it. And so he like hits her in the head and it's kind of a glancing blow. And, and, you know, of course she's struggling and, you know, she's, she's all tied up, but he's trying to, and he keeps kind of missing. And then at one point he kind of gets his own hand and it's just, it's so, it's so just, it's brutal, but also really frustrating. He eventually just like drops the chisel and just hits her with the hammer. And, but it's just the whole, the whole thing is so uncomfortable and, you know, it, I mean, I would even say more so than something like, you know, something if we're talking about serial killer movies like Silence of the Lambs, you know, where you see a lot of interaction between the two. This is was just so, again, not, it's not slickly cut and it's not, you know, there's not a lot of, like we said, music and stuff, but it's, but it's just, it just feels real. It, it feels like this is an interaction that a real serial killer might have with a victim where it's, where it's sloppy as you, you know, to use your word. And just, yeah, he's just, he misses and, you know, misses and, and, you know, he, he gets frustrated. And of course she's terrified and um, it's, it's just, it's such a, it's so good. That, that, that one was just so good. Yeah. That's really Um, intense. Yeah. Yeah. I was like eating snacks (laughs) and I just had to like stop eating that because it like grossed me out and turned my stomach. It was more of like, this is too intense. Like I can't like, (laughs) and I've seen this before. And I knew yeah. that scene was happening, but I just forgot how intense. And that's my experience through the whole movie. Is And maybe you might feel this way. Like, yeah. dude, I, I was for sure, by the end of the first act, I was like, okay, like this was a five-star movie for me when I first saw it. And I've seen a lot of shit since then, including a lot of Korean movies. And I was like, yeah. I, about 30, 45 minutes in, I'm just like, I don't know if this is going to be that good any, like that to yeah. that level. But you know, it'll yeah. still at least be a three-and-a-half to four-star yeah, and yeah. dude, but by the end, it's like I, I I did take it down from five. It's not a perfect movie to me anymore, but my god, is it so good! Like it's still like by the end, it earns everything it did before. You know what I mean? And, and it's yeah. in large part because of those scenes, those slop. I mean, that's the movie. I forgot to bring it up, but that's what I was going to bring up is when he's using yeah. the chisel and the hammer because she's struggling and fighting and moving her head as much as she can and kind of screeching yeah. and trying to get away, and he can't get the chisel where he wants it to be because her head, she won't stop moving. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. he's so casual about it. 
Right. Yeah. You know. You know what it's reminiscent of is the the te- scene in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre where oh my god yeah where where they've captured the yeah Sally and and they're trying to get Grandpa to, to yes. kill her to hit her with the hammer and kill her and and he keeps drop it's it's that kind it's I mean that Dude. they play that for almost like a weird dark comedy and it's not quite like that but it's, it's a different it's, feel it's like yeah, it's yeah. like that Texas Chainsaw Massacre sequence through the lens of like something like. Uh, uh, I just lost it. I can't believe it. There's a movie called Frontiers, which really comes to mind. It's like a French gore horror movie, but a high tension or something like one yeah. of those like type of ultra like intense gory movies, but like yeah. with the psychology or something of Texas Chainsaw, you know, and, and that's high praise. But, uh, you know, yeah. I just dude, I just love it. And I mean, camera work, visual tone, narrative, the score when it's there. Because like you said, yeah. it is pretty sparse. The performances, the development. I mean, all of this is top notch for me. <laughs> like, like yeah. the, if I could show any filmmakers mm-hmm. that are aspiring to be you, like American filmmakers and they want to make these kind of horrific, grim detective yeah. movies. or or Because this isn't a noir. It's not a neo-noir, but it does have certain kind of... Yeah, there are moments, so. like aspects that would be kind of traditional neo-noir uh, components, if you will, mm-hmm. Uh and and there are aspects of that in there, and I just love noir so much that that automatically gives it a uh, yeah. like a way up there. You know, I don't even those words don't even make sense. But the point is, I love it, and uh, I would show this to so many people because you could so easily, I think, westernize this without oh, butchering really? it. Do you get what yeah. I'm saying? Like, oh yeah, absolutely. Where you could have like this movie still, and it's going to be great, and you could easily like redo this movie. Yeah, and it's one I probably wouldn't even be pissed about, because mm-hmm. like, like I think it could all it could just also be good, and it makes me think of like when when uh, Christopher Nolan did did, uh, dude, what the frick? Why do I keep <laughs> forgetting? What's the uh, not following the memento? Uh, insomnia. Insomnia. Thank you. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. So it's originally a Scandinavian film, mm-hmm. and then uh, I forget if it's Danish or Swedish, but it's it's somewhere there and then he redoes it and both films are great i th- you know yeah. what i mean like that's that's what i'm talking about in terms of, of that type of a thing even with the yeah. the girl with the dragon tattoo i love the first original and mm-hmm. i also like ventures and they're just different enough where you could watch them both and they work yeah. and i would be more than happy and i'm pretty sure i'm gonna look this up whenever you start talking next but um i'm pretty sure they were trying to remake this actually um, and oh, really? I, I vaguely remember Scorsese being attached, at least or at least mentioned as someone they wanted. I could be totally yeah. making this up, and I will confirm before we're done. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I just I think that's great. Um, and and I, I want to ask you a question so you can reference this, and then after we're done with this part, you can touch on something if you have something uh, prepared. But you know, how do you feel about having such a kind of gray area? like terrible human as your protagonist. Uh-huh. But yeah. it's like by the end you're kind of siding with him, right? But it's like yeah. you you know he's still a bad person. Like cuz yeah, you and I yeah. have had interesting conversations about this sort of thing. I'm curious how you felt about our hero here, quote unquote. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and it is it is really interesting. Um so uh, I don't remember if you mentioned this on air or not. You said you mentioned to me something about if my girlfriend watches this with me. And and she was she was here as I started watching it. Watched like the first forty five minutes. She had to leave. Um, she watched about the first forty five minutes with me, and she she saw the scene where he where he breaks into the apartment with you know the one we were just talking about, and and she's like, man, 
that girl's mom is missing and he's being a dick to her. Yeah, he is too. <laughs> he was. Yeah. And, you know, and she's just asking a very reasonable question about, you know, like, where's my mom? You know, what do you guys do? And he's like, shut up, you little brat. You know, he's, he's so just terrible and dismissive to her. Yeah. And, and, and of course this kind of becomes part of, of the movie. Um, and, and really to me, if there's anything where they really kind of missed an opportunity, I, I want to say it was between their relationship, it, just because it was so short, it, we really just see a few scenes with them together. And, and then it, it turns into this kind of is an inciting incident for him to, to kind of, as, as you mentioned, you know, kind of to change and to, to realize who, you know, to, to kind of grow attached to these people because he's got the daughter and they're, you know, yeah. he's got to take her to eat. And it's in an American movie, it would have been played up for laughs, right? Like it would have, it would have been amped up. This would have been the majority of the, the middle section of the movie. And she would have been, you know, he would have like grown to love her. He would have had to like save her yeah. from something. I, I feel like it would have been like the nice guys when Russell Crowe's hanging out with Ryan Gosling's daughter. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like where yeah. they have this like banter. I could just totally yeah. see that. Yeah. Yeah. And and there's there's a little bit, but there's not that much, you know, the, and, and it's funny because there's almost two scenes in a row where he's taking her to eat. Yeah. You know, they're, they're sitting in a rest. You just see it, it cuts and it, because you, you kind of think for a minute as they're leaving the apartment, he's just leaving her there. Yeah. And then it cuts and they're sitting in this, you know, well, no, she, she like gives him the eyes. Right. And he's like, looks back and he's like, ah, crap, I can't leave her here. Yeah. So he, ta- so the next scene they're in a restaurant and she's eating and, and then, you know, there's, there's another scene and it comes back to them. They're in a different restaurant and now she's eating like ramen. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, it's like, she's eating again. Yeah. And, and he's just sitting there and he's so detached, you know, and he's like, ah, little brat, you know, I got to find, he's like calling people. And he's yeah. trying to get this, He's the, straight um, up ass meathead, which is like his, his like work, like the dude that he called his just piss ant, right? Like the guy yeah. makes like put flyers up and, and everything. Yeah. And he's sending out to uh, find the serial killer. They call him meathead. Yeah. And he, he just straight up goes like, do you know anyone who could just like watch a little girl? Like he doesn't care <laughs> right. if they're trustworthy. He doesn't care about anything. He's just like, yeah. Yeah, I just need this kid off my hands. Again, this is pretty early. This is before he has any kind of conflict or, or real like realization that he's a dick. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, dude, I think I think this kid's great. I think oh, dude, she's fantastic. Not only does she have a great look, like you would understand why when she gives him the eyes, she's just like this cute little seven year old, right? But at yeah. the same time, her performance is great. The the stuff she says to him is great. Like. Yeah. There's a moment because this doesn't ruin anything. I'll I'll kind of out this, <clears throat> and again, this isn't a spoiler. But there's a point where he's talking to someone else, and the kids in the car, but can yeah. hear them, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, was, I was about to talk about this, so yeah, yeah, Perfect. yeah. I'll, I'll bring it up, and then you can go. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So basically, he's talking to someone through this curtain. Doesn't know the little girl's on the other side, and he's like, "Her mom could be dead," and the whole time the little girl just thinks like the mom's just somewhere else. You know, yeah. like she doesn't know she's in danger. And so then whenever he turns around, and goes past through this curtain or whatever, he sees the little girl and her eyes are like welling up with tears. And then mm-hmm. just cuts going back to score, like the sparse score. Then it cuts to the car and you just see the it's night drive. You see the lights hitting the windshield. Mm-hmm. You hear this really like soft music, but it's like loud now in, in, in the in the volume here. And you just see her sobbing. You don't hear her. Yeah. You just see her mouth open 
sobbing. And I mean, this is obviously the moment where he starts to soften up a bit, right? Because, yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, he just fucked up. And this is like the first time he realizes it and doesn't blame it on like the other people, right? But what what do you want to say about the scene? Yeah, no, yeah, that 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 was so powerful. And it was so well shot that the, by choose that choice to not, to, to cut the, you know, their, their audio to not have audio on them to hear her crying and and he i think is driving yeah and he's on the phone and he's screaming at someone yep and so so it, it takes him a minute to notice right to, to notice that she's back there just losing it because he's wrapped up in his own little world and but it's such a powerful little sequence where and and, it, and it's raining out so there's it's like rain streaked you know the windows are like rain streaked while you're seeing you're yeah. seeing from outside the car in on her through rain. And so, you know, so it's a little masked and, but she's clearly sobbing. As you said, she's clearly crying, like hard crying. Hard and crying. It, yeah. Yeah. And it, and it just, it works so well. It's just uh, so it, good. It, yeah. It was, it was tremendous. Gosh, um, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> I want to talk about another tremendous thing and then I'm going to let you talk about any points you have, and then we're going to start to sign this off, all right? I, yeah. and, and we have to speak very vaguely because I really don't want to ruin this for anybody. This is not a spoiler, yeah, yeah. but we're going to be talking a little inside baseball. So once you get a chance to see this, you'll kind of yeah. get what we were talking about here. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm just going to say, you'll know what I mean. My notes literally say, the murder sequence, wink, wink. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> you know, yeah. and it says, you know what I'm talking about with the hammer at the place. <laughs> That's what my, yes. my yes, notes exactly say. Right. Uh, man, let me just say this, dude. This completely shakes me every time. Yeah. I, I, I can't I honestly and I mean this, it rocks me. I can't think of another movie mm-hmm. with a more powerfully gruesome moment than yeah. this. And 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 I'm sure there is. And if I watched yeah. rewatched the movies, I'm sure I would find something. Mm-hmm. And I think of even stuff like Dancer in the Dark, that movie wrecks me. When like B- yeah. all the stuff Bjork goes through, that wrecks mm-hmm. me. And the final sequence just leaves me sick almost in like yeah. a good way. Like it, it moved me. It made me feel something. I love that. I don't care if it's a negative yeah. feeling. It made mm-hmm. me feel. Dude, yeah. this movie, yesterday it was almost overwhelming. Like mm-hmm. it is so sad yeah. and grim. And violent. I mean, this. I wish horror movies were this way. Why don't they do? It's like the focus is so much more on the violence, and in this moment, it is so violent. But you're not thinking of the violence. You're thinking of all the weight that they've developed up to this point. Yeah. Oh, what a frustrating sequence. Yes. Yes. Was this one of your notes? Did you want to talk about this too? Well, well, it absolutely is. But I again, you know, I'm again, I'm I'm hesitant to talk too much about it. Um. Other than to say it is, again, if we're comparing this to Western films, it's completely antithetical to what Western Dude. films of this type do. Yeah, and it, yeah, and it's shocking because it it even is down to like the swing of the weapon, right? Like how slow it all develops, and 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 there's there's a casualness to it. Yeah, that's just really that's really yeah that really means something. And then of course the kind of the weight of the whole thing. Dude, and I want to say this, and I'll pass it back because I have two yeah. points. I said, I said this scene would never happen in an American film with any budget. Okay? Oh, <laughs> and then yeah. I was like, the other thing that I have a note for is it says, you know, it was completely unexpected for me the first time I saw it, 
And every uh-huh. time I see it after, I always underestimate how powerful it is. Yeah, yeah. And 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 the weird thing of it is, is that it's again without saying too much, it it's almost comedic at the beginning of the scene. Uh, there, you know, there's there's a moment again. I, I don't want again. I'm I'm trying. I'm very hard. You know, I'm I'm working hard to to mask everything. But there's there's moments at the beginning where this is it's almost comedic. It's almost a farce in a sense where one character yeah. is talking to to the to the killer and is begging him to stay. I guess that that may even be saying too much, as he you know. And he's just like dismissive, and then you know, there's uh, so it, but th- this part, like, I-, I chuckled during that part. I'm like, oh my god, this woman is so stupid. Well, uh, good, sorry, sorry, you know, and and then the um, and then it cuts, and like I said, and then, and then the scene plays out, and it's yeah, and it's it is just just tears your, your heart out, dude. You know? Yeah, and 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 you you think they're they're teasing this scene again. I'm yeah. speaking very, you think that, yeah. Because, like yeah, you, you said, expect, he's dismissive. You yeah, you expect something last minute to happen, and you know, uh, dude, nope. Yeah, oh my god! Like, oh my god! I can't. Yeah, like that just happened. It's I can't stress enough. Like trigger warning. Like if you're yeah, like if yeah. you if you do not take violence well, I I mean because violence without weight is nothing to. I mean that's a saw movie. You know what I mean? Like yeah, that doesn't right. do anything for me. But man, when you have weight, dude. Even like I'll just say this again, very just cryptic, but like uh-huh. the almost subliminal framing. Do you understand what I mean by that, yeah. Uh-huh. dude? Yeah. Oh my gosh, this is just one of the great. If we had a top five favorite scenes, mm-hmm. like murder sequence, <laughs> like if we were gonna get yeah. real dark, this yeah. would just be in it. Um, because, uh-huh. dude, it just wrecks me, dude. I was going, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna get to that murder scene. Yeah. And I'm gonna shut it off and I'll finish it tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. And then after it, I'm like, I can't sleep. Like I'm like yeah. in this right now. I mean that dude, yeah. that moment. If that doesn't, if you're on the fence, and then not firmly on the side of the movie after that sequence, you yeah. don't have a soul. <laughs> like yeah. like that is my that's my little caveat there. But continue yeah. if you have something. Go ahead. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that. Yeah. And it, and it does it. It changes. It, it's it's almost like the final because the the movie is has leaned dark you know in terms of you know the the overall mood but it wasn't I mean that's pitch black at that point right like it's it's as dark as it can get and um yeah and it and it makes that that closing sequence that you kind of referenced earlier um it, it makes it it gives it more weight than you know than it, than it would have otherwise but I mean, that's uh, my last point, actually. Can I just mention it since you just brought yeah, it up? Yeah, Again, yeah, we're no, speaking cryptic, like, vaguely here. But, I mean, dude, does that ending not pay off? I mean, it, it's, it's, it carries a lot of weight because of the murder sequence we just talked about, okay? And, again, yeah. I'm not naming characters, not talking about what's happening. But, yeah. dude, the way that this ends is so, gr- like, riveting is the only word I know. I mean, I hate to have that, like, be that, like, pretentious thesaurus critic, but it's yeah. like, dude, no, that's the one. Like, that's the word. Because yeah. I can't take... It's it's an edge of my seat moment. Because yeah. there are moments... I can't even talk about it. I don't even want to talk about right. it. it. I don't want to ruin yeah, it. it is, it's, it's we're talk, We're going to talk about it after we're off recording. <laughs> after we're done. Because <laughs> I need to speak this out loud. And I don't want to ruin it. Because this is not a movie... This isn't fucking Point Break. 
Like right. you've had 30 years to watch this. It's your yeah. fault. This is like, I don't blame people for not seeing it. You'd have to find it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm trying stuff. really hard not to ruin anything. And I don't think we've spoiled anything, but go ahead and uh, the end just pays off. That's, that's my last yeah, note. Yeah. Basically. Yeah, I, I don't even want to say more about it than that, but it's, it's a great, yeah, it's a great payoff. It, it's a, a, you know, as you said, there's, there's a character making a certain choice. Um, it's, I mean, and the choice is one that, you know, people have made in, you know, countless movies, you know, of countless movies like this, you know, no matter what country they're made in or, you know, what, you know, but the I think the the way they chose to handle it, yeah, stand out a little bit. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I, mean, I, I want to compare it to a scene in a very very famous um, serial killer film. This is super famous, you know. But I almost feel like that's giving maybe you would give too much away. Um, you may, maybe you know um, what I'm, which one I'm talking about. Um, but it's um yeah i i don't want i don't even want to say more about it it's it's you know it's a character making a choice and again the way that they end up paying off the resolution of that scene is you know oh. is, is a little bit different than they do in most most yeah. films and just and the, to, the to its credit yeah Absolutely. and just the very end too yes yeah there, there's almost a grimness to that too yes right yeah. um Oh, but, dude, my, yeah. like my heart's like breaking just thinking about this movie. <laughs> I mean, that last third act is so brutal, dude. And we could just keep saying this and someone listening is just going to be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Go watch go it. I'll, I'll tell you I'll tell you where to see it <laughs> before yeah. before yeah. we're done. But go ahead. Let, yeah. Send us off, Joe. I mean, what if you have a few more notes or even one more, yeah. whatever you have, yeah. by no, all means. That, that's that's really, really all I have. Um, it, it's. You know, overall, you know, I would I would call this like you said, uh, a three and a half to four, maybe a, let's say a four star, four out of five star kind of movie for me. Very good movie. Um, it, it's maybe not like a top ten all time or anything like that, but it, but it's solid, very worth watching. And do do we even need to anymore give the the stupid subtitle caveat? You know, th- this movie is very easy to follow. Oh, my gosh. Dude, there are no. movies. If, if if you go watch an Italian movie from the 50s and tell yeah. me if you read every word. They talk right. so fast. I mean, you mm-hmm. got to keep up. Like a lot of Fellini stuff, when I first started getting in the subtitles, I couldn't follow it because yeah. they just like yeah. spoke so quick. Dude, this is so easy. Yeah. This is yeah. The, the easiest thing ever. Like they, they don't talk too fast. Like... Mm-hmm. It's just very easy to get through. It's not like, I don't know, if if you're like me, circa two thousand two or three, <laughs> and you you're allergic to subtitles, get over it because yeah. this is worth it. But go ahead. Oh yeah, absolutely. the The only thing that was that I found stilted at all was they the subtitles used the word bastard a lot. Like it was almost like the generic. And I'm going to assume there's a Korean word that roughly translates to bastard. That's um that, that's kind of a common insult. And because they say it a lot. Where, where, where did the, you watch it? I Oh, so I watched it, by the way, I, I was going to mention that. Um, I caught it on Amazon Prime. It's available on IFC. So um, I got a trial subscription from Amazon Prime to IFC and watched it. I did so the same. It, it did, yeah, it didn't even actually cost me any money. Yeah. So, Remember, um, folks, the, the, the moral of this story is learn how to cancel subscriptions. Okay? Yes. So you can get your free seven day trial, yes. and then just learn how to cancel it, 
and it's mm-hmm. a quick Google search. It'd be real easy for you. It's more yep. difficult if you don't do the research. I did the same thing, Joe. Uh, you can also... Uh, what what's the other one? Is it AMC Plus where you can also have that one, or is it Shutter? Yeah, I I don't I don't remember. I saw yeah I saw I just saw IFC and went boom and and there I was and I was done. I was surprised because um, we had you know we had talked and you told me it was kind of tough to find and you mentioned YouTube and you could find it maybe on, and I couldn't find it there and I I was like I'm just gonna search around and see you know what I can find and I went to I always go to Prime first because they have a lot of they have all of those subscription add-ons. So, you know, when, when you go to Amazon Prime, you're essential in search, you're essentially searching Showtime and, and HBO and Stars and, you know, AM, like you said, AMC and, you know, IFC and all the, you know, all of these other places where you can just do add-ons. So, yeah, um, it, it's that the Prime, if you don't have Prime, first of all, and you're a movie lover, you know, you're, you're hamstringing yourself because there's so much to watch and so many other kind of those, like I said, those little add-ons that, will yeah. give you access to mo- so many movies. So yeah. Um, yeah. Use that. Yeah. Copiously. It, 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 see. it is on IFC. It's also on AMC. So I was right. So if you have a subscription yeah. through uh, any service, whether it's Apple TV plus it's Hulu, Amazon, they all have uh, one of the two where you can watch it. You yeah. can also find it on iTunes. Like I said, you can find it on YouTube uh, they don't even have Blu-rays for this. There are HD streams, but you can only buy it on DVD. I mean, I can't wow. believe this movie is not more popular. Yeah. I, I guess you and I kind of had different views on that. But to me, it was like, I don't understand how this isn't as big as Old Boy. Yeah. Because it feels like a movie that people, like, this is so easy to follow. And it's it's like yeah. an easily digestible movie to me, minus a lot of, like, the very South Korean things, like yeah. the culture. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, sorry, I was like, maybe the difference between that and Old Boy is that Old Boy was so splashy, and the, the this is more of a I would call this more of like a movie lovers kind of movie, like a, a cinephile type movie. Although you know, although like I said, it is a you know there are elements of it, but Old Boy was so over the top. You know, like you said, yeah. that big six minute single take fight scene, and you know the the hammer with the teeth and all that. Like that stuff was so splashy and and. I don't want to call it controversial, but it's sensational. Yeah. Um, that it almost couldn't help but become that kind of thing. But this one is this one's a little more low key. Dude. You know, if, if you think of something like, you know, seven, for instance, you know, to, to give an American comparison, it's not nearly as gruesome as on the whole, you know. Uh it's not as gruesome and lingering on, you know, open wounds and things. Although, you know, we've we've talked about some of the blood and there's there are there is some gore, but it's not it's not insanely sensational yeah. the way those those movies are. So maybe that's why it, you know, part of the reason why it kind of fell through. It's but but it's it's a very, very good movie. Um, you know, just both as a, as you said, a serial killer film slash po- police procedural kind of thing. Yeah. Um, kind of a, you know, it's almost a almost a vigilante kind of movie in, in a sense. You know, Jung Ho is like we said, an ex cop, so he's got some skills, but he's not you know, empowered by the law to yeah. kill whomever. Though he tries to make people believe he is, but uh, yeah. 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 And I, I do want to say one thing before I kind of sign us off here. Uh, in, in in 2008, there were remake rights. I looked this up that Warner Brothers uh, had bought for a million dollars. That's all they spent on it. And uh, they had discussions with a guy to write the script. Leonardo DiCaprio was the potential star. Now, yeah. no deals were made and DiCaprio was 
and the writer were both involved in Scorsese's The Departed, which I think is why that got trapped in my head. Scorsese okay, yeah. was never actually uh, brought in uh, for this, but DiCaprio was someone who yeah. was talked about. That's that's where my uh, yeah. connection He does that went. a lot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And there was an Indian Bollywood thriller that was kind of an unofficial <laughs> remake uh, called Murder 2, which is pretty funny. But uh, but yeah, dude, this, this movie is great. Um, I can't stress enough personally, if, if you're in to kind of, I don't know, dude, just great storytelling. I mean, that's really what I think it is. It it, don't think of it. Don't come into this as like an action movie. If you've seen memories of murder or something like that, it's very much along those lines. If you've seen, uh, Kurosawa's high and low, uh, this is certainly more action packed than that, but I mean, like that kind of procedural aspect. I mean, man, this is really great. I think this is top notch. I can't believe this is not talked about more. It's not yeah. as flashy or artistic as a lot of the other ones that do get the flash, like pretty much any Bong Joon Ho movie. Sure. But what an underrated gem, I would call it. Uh, just an absolute pure cut diamond that that you can find here. And like I said, you can watch this on iTunes, YouTube. And on Amazon Prime or Hulu or I Apple TV Plus with the subscriptions to IFC or AMC. Um, if you agree or disagree with how we feel about The Chaser and you've seen it, and please, please, I can't stress enough, go check this movie out. If you agree or disagree, please hit us up on social media at Medium Cool Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also hit me up at Austin Glidden on Twitter and Joe at Joe Shearer Nine. Uh, Joe, here. This is your moment to shine, man. Do you have anything you'd like to leave us off with? You know what? Yes, there's there's a line. So there's there's a line that he gives. Uh, that, the, and this was maybe the most maybe this was the most Western kind of moment of the movie. Um, and again, I don't want to ruin the context of it too much, but he's so he is sitting in a cop car. Well, this is this is uh, uh, Jung Ho. They're sitting in a cop car with people who were his co- his ex colleagues, right? His his buddies. How do we forget to talk about this? This seems I know, great. I know. And it it cracked, and the, the line was so perfect. And and they, you know, they're they're like, you know, of course they're buddies to an extent, so they're just needling. But you find out then whatever, and I don't remember what it was, whatever it was that that got him fired. These guys were apparently all in on it, but only he lost his job. And so they they're needling him a little bit and it's good natured. And then, and then he turns it to, yeah, but I'm the only one that got fired for that. You guys all kept your jobs. Right. And, and it, it kind of, you know, it kind of turns a touch serious at that point. And then he, and then he's like, and you guys all got money, you know, you guys all got paid from whatever this was. And and he actually says the one guy he says, is your wallet full from sucking that pig's ass? <laughs> And it just killed me. I was like, that is awesome. Yeah, I specifically remember that. And that scene, by the way. Oh, Uh, my gosh. We could talk about that some other time. But definitely go check it out. Uh, I'll I'll leave you off with that. Did your wallet suck? What is it again? Say it one more time. Is your your wallet full from sucking that pig's ass? All right. On that note, Joe, I'm going to leave you.
All right, everybody, that was our episode for this week. We covered the get-together, which I gave you my thoughts on, and we also did the long-form discussion on the South Korean serial killer revenge thriller slash police procedural, The Chaser. Uh, I can't stress enough like I did at the top of the show, during the long-form, and now I love this movie. Now, to say it's in, like, you know, my top 20 or something, I mean, I'm not, I don't mean to love it on it that much, you know, this was like a, I gave this a four and a half out of five. It's not perfect, and there are better South Korean movies, hence Memories of Murder, uh, me mentioning that so many times. Uh, I, I, I love that movie too, and I think it's, you know, a better film, but dude, the chase are so good. Just watch it, just enjoy it. It is just, I mean, it's just great. Um, like I said, uh, the get together does come out on demand this Friday. So certainly, uh, feel free to go check that out. It's a fun experience. It's only 74 minutes. So you might as well just go check it out. It's fine. Uh, you know, I, again, I didn't love it, but it was, uh, certainly worth my time. And I had a lot of nostalgia for some reason. Just don't understand. Anyways, it's cool. Check it out. Feel free. And, uh, you know, on that note, please feel free to subscribe to the show rate, review, the whole deal that really helps us as content creators out. And hey, until next time, we love you. Thank you so much for listening. Good night. Good luck. Take it easy.